the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. LCC Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Online at Let's Talk Download the Faith Talk Tampa app. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre recorded. If we can see at least some similarities between the struggles of the believers of David's day, what they had with the wicked, and the present day terrorist situation, I think it might help for us to appreciate how significant and how applicable and how relevant David's words are because when David says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him, he means stop striving, stop fretting about the success of evildoers and wait patiently, note this, for God to intervene and to deal with them in death and judgment. Welcome to Verse by Verse. I recently read about a traditional Hebrew story. Abraham was sitting outside his tent one evening when an old man who looked very tired approached him. Abraham greeted him, invited him in, and washed his feet, gave him food and drink. But when the old man began eating without saying any prayer or blessing, Abraham asked him, Don't you worship God? The old man replied, I only worship fire and no other God. Abraham was furious and rushed the old man out into the cold night air. Very soon, God called to his friend and asked where the stranger was. Abraham said, I threw him out because he didn't worship you. Well, God answered, I've suffered him for 80 years, even though he dishonors me. Couldn't you endure him for just one night? You know, it's not our job to fret over those who dishonor God. He will settle accounts in his own time. Fret not over evildoers is our topic today on Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, is our teacher. He's the teaching pastor at Lakeside, and his expository, or one-verse-at-a-time messages, are the building blocks of this daily radio Bible class. One thing we can do to help us not fret about evildoers is to take the long view. Take our eyes off our present circumstances and consider eternity. Looking ahead helps. So does looking up. Grab your Bible if you can and turn to Psalm 37. Here's Pastor Steve with today's lesson. But there's a second way that David says that we are to solve the problem of being upset and and coveting what others have. Not only are we to look ahead to the future, but David tells us we are to look up to God. We are to look up to God. See, starting in verse 3, David gives us a number of commands all of them concerning our relationship with the Lord. They're all intended to deepen our walk with him. That's their design. Deepen our walk with him so that we have victory over being annoyed and envious at the wicked. First, notice he tells us in verse 3 to trust in the Lord. He says, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and cultivate faithfulness. Now, what he means by this, and all this is somewhat review, what he means by this is that we are to trust God to provide for our needs, not trusting him just in general. What's the context? The context is that you're coveting what other people have. Trust God. He will meet your needs. Why? Because he is faithful to do that. He's faithful to keep his word. And his word, in the context of what he promised Israel, 
And what the New Testament teaches us is that he will provide for us exactly what we need. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, Jesus said, will be provided for you. So we don't need to be stressed if others have more than we do. Why? Because number one, they're going to soon die. They're going to soon die and they will lose it all. Number two, because God has promised to provide for all of our needs. So we are not to worry. We are to trust him because he is always faithful to keep his word. Secondly, David tells us that we are to delight ourselves in the Lord. Verse four, he says, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Instead of longing for the material goods, note this, that others delight in, that others enjoy. David tells us that we are to delight in the Lord. We are to enjoy him. That is to say, we are to enjoy the Lord for who he is, and we are to be satisfied with him. Not satisfied just because he gives us things, but satisfied with him, with his character. We gaze upon his character as we study his word. We gaze upon his works. We, we contemplate them as they're revealed in scripture. We behold his beauty. We're captivated by his majesty, by his excellencies. Listen, this is a good time to, to consider reading a book on the attributes of God. Go to Bruce Mill's class on Wednesday nights, the Acts class. He's teaching theology proper, which is about the person of God. Let your mind be stretched as to who God is. When we do that, David says, God will give us, he tells us, the desires of our hearts. Why? Because those desires will now be righteous desires rather than envious, covetous desires. See, this is why this is the solution to coveting. When we delight in the Lord, God changes our hearts so that instead of desiring what other people have, we now have godly desires. Third, David tells us to commit our way to the Lord. Verse five, commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him, and he'll do it. Now, what David means by this is that we are to roll all of our burdens onto the Lord. That's what commit means. Roll those burdens from yourself onto the Lord so that we stop carrying these these heavy loads of anger and envy. We are to cast every care upon him, and we are to trust him to provide for us. Why? Because he will do it. Now, I know that we covered all of this last session, but I wanted to go over this again briefly because I want these truths to be driven deep into us, into our hearts, because folks, these are the truths that liberate you from resenting the success of others. It'll free you from coveting what other people have. So you've got to apply this to your lives. You've got to absorb this. You've, you've got to think differently. You've got to meditate on these truths during the week and have the Lord build these truths into your lives. Now today we want to continue looking up to God along the same lines as David has been teaching us, because David gives us now one more command in terms of our relationship with the Lord, a command that will enable us to stop fretting over evildoers. He tells us in verse 7 to rest in the Lord. He says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way because of the man who carries out wicked schemes. Now, having told us to trust in, 
to delight in, to commit our way to the Lord, David now tells us to rest in him and wait patiently for him. So what does that mean? How do we rest in the Lord? And what are we to patiently be waiting for? Well, the Hebrew word, this Hebrew word rest, it literally means to be still, be quiet, to be silent. And the thought here is that instead of complaining, instead of verbally complaining and having an irritable, grumpy spirit that begrudges the success of others and wants what they have, we are to calmly resign ourselves to just being quiet, both with our mouths and in our hearts, trusting the Lord to work everything out. You know, being silent is a wonderful quality. It's something that is hard to achieve in our very noisy, our very loud and hectic world. With all the gadgets around us that are capable of making sounds, it is hard for us to just be Silent and quiet. In fact, one philosopher said that the basic thing wrong with the world is that man, and I quote, does not know how to stay quietly in his own room. I'm not sure he was kidding, but that is what he said. But David's point here in Psalm 37 is that we aren't to just be quiet. He's not just saying go in your room and be quiet. He's saying we are to be quiet in the Lord. In the Lord. That is to say we are to leave everything in God's hands as we wait upon him to work out all of these things that are troubling us. And in this case, what was troubling these believers, as we've been saying, is that evildoers were prospering in spite of all the wickedness that they were doing. Now, perhaps, and I say perhaps, it will help us to gain some insight and some frame of reference concerning what these Jewish believers were going through if we consider the success of present-day Muslim terrorists who certainly are evildoers. As we look around our world, we hear about various Islamic terrorist franchises from ISIS to Al-Qaeda to Boko Haram and Nigeria, pretty much getting whatever they want to get, having success, military success, taking over cities, villages, kidnappings, torturing people, murdering people. And while I understand it is not the exact same situation that the Jewish people of David's day were going through, because our anger over their actions, it's not personal. I understand that. And we certainly aren't envious of the prosperity of these terrorists. But nonetheless, we still have to wonder why God has given them so much success in their wicked endeavors and when he's going to intervene and judge them and not let them continue getting away with these atrocities. So if we can see at least some similarities between the struggles of the believers of David's day, what they have with the wicked, and the present-day terrorist situation, I think it might help for us to appreciate how significant and how applicable and how relevant David's words are, because when David says, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him, he means stop striving, stop fretting about the success of evildoers and wait patiently, note this, for God to intervene and to deal with them in death and judgment. That's what he means. That's what we're waiting patiently for. This is precisely why David proceeds to say in verse 8, Cease from anger and forsake wrath. 
Do not fret, it leads only to evil doing. See, these people were angry at the wicked, always doing evil things, and they were angry because they were jealous of the prosperity of the wicked, and they were probably angry, as I said, at God for letting this happen. So David tells them to cease from being angry, to forsake from taking matters into their own hands, because it's evil. It leads to evil doing. They are not to try to punish these evildoers with their own wrath. In other words, they were to wait upon God to punish these evildoers when he pours out his wrath on them. Don't you do it, but he will do it in his own time. This is the same thing Paul will say many years later in Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay. Get out of the way and let God deal with them. It's not your call, it's his. And when will, will that take place? When, when will God deal in vengeance with unbelievers, whether it's the evildoers of David's day or the evildoers of our day, including Islamic terrorists? When? Well, God may choose to intervene and stop evil any time that he sovereignly wants to do this. But his judgment, understand this, upon an unbeliever begins the day an unbeliever dies. Because when an unbeliever dies, he dies separated from Jesus Christ, and he enters eternity lost and damned, and he will stay lost and damned forever. This is why David exhorts his people not to fret, not to get angry, not to engage in personal vengeance and wrath, but to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for God himself to strike down these evildoers. Why? Because the time is coming when he will end their short-lived prosperity and their wicked behavior by taking their lives. And that's why David proceeds in the next two verses to talk about this, the soon-coming death of unbelievers, evildoers, verses 9 and 10. For evildoers will be cut off, he says, but those who wait for the Lord, they'll inherit the lamb. Yet a little while, and the wicked man will be no more. You'll look carefully for his place, and he will not be there. Once again, David returns to the same thought that he mentioned back in verse 2, that the success and prosperity of the wicked are very, very brief, because their lives are very brief. Concerning the brevity of the life of the wicked, Charles Spurgeon said these very sobering words, as only Charles Spurgeon could. He said this, The shortness of life makes us see that the glitter of the wicked is not true gold. O wherefore, tried believer, dost thou envy one who in a little while will lie lower than the dust? His house shall be empty, his chair off is vacant, his estate without an owner. He shall be utterly blotted out, perhaps cut off by his own debauchery or brought to a deathbed of poverty by his own extravagance, gone like a passing cloud, forgotten as a dream. Where are his boastings and bullyings and where the pomp which made poor mortals think the sinner blessed? Listen, why should you be angry? Why should you be jealous over people whose prosperity is so short-lived. Why should we be envious of those who at the end of their lives lose everything and have nothing to look forward to? 
So I've said before, all of their enjoyment and success will cease the very moment that they die. And from that moment on, they will never enjoy another moment ever. A sobering, tragic thought. Far from being envious and resenting such people, we actually should feel sorry for them. Sorry for them, because whatever they get in this life, listen, that's all they're ever going to get. Because their end and their future is so awful and so dreadful. Jesus put it this way in his Sermon on the Mount as he exhorted those unbelievers. Though he gave this this sermon to his disciples, there were unbelievers in the crowd because Jesus did turn it at the end into an evangelistic appeal. But he exhorted these unbelievers listening to his sermon that day to come to him for salvation. He said this, enter through the narrow gate. This This is a call to repentance and faith in him. Enter through the narrow gate for the gate is wide and the way is broad He said that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. You see, the way of unbelievers is the popular way. It's the way of the majority, but it is the way, Jesus said, that leads to destruction because it leads to an eternity without him, not annihilation, but eternal punishment, an empty and awful eternity, an eternity separated from God and man and everything that is good. But by contrast, those who know the Lord, they have a different future than the wicked. Obviously, we're all going to die, both believer and unbeliever. But the future for a believer is very different than the future for an unbeliever. Notice the contrast that David presents in verse 11 between the future of a believer and the future of an unbeliever. He says, but, and the word but there is by contrast, but the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity. Now, once again, the statement has to be understood in the context of the people that it was originally given to, the Jewish people whom God had made a covenant with that he would bless them agriculturally in the land if they obeyed him. And so what David is telling them here is that those who are humble, and by that he means that they humble themselves before the Lord to obey him, Obey his word. Those who are humble, those who are obedient, will not only be able to remain in the land, they will stay in the land. They won't be driven from it. They won't be expelled because of God's judgment. But they will also, he says, experience God's blessings of abundant prosperity agriculturally in the land. In other words, God is reiterating his covenantal promise to these Jewish people that eventually, maybe not this moment, But eventually, because he's faithful to keep his word, he's going to bless them with much fruitfulness in the land. So how does all this apply to us? Well, once again, the timeless principle is that we are not to worry about what God gives or doesn't give other people. Our sole responsibility is to obey him and to trust him to meet our needs in his own perfect time and in his own perfect way. My God, Paul said in Philippians 4, my God will supply all of your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Not out of his riches, but according to his riches. He's not taking a little bit out. It's according to all of it. How rich is he? How rich is he? 
infinitely rich. So the key then to having victory over a jealous and angry heart comes down to your own personal walk with the Lord. If you will trust him to provide for you, if you will delight in him for who he is, if you will roll all of your heavy burdens on him, and if you will rest in him as you patiently wait for him to deal in judgment with evildoers, then you will just stop fretting. You'll stop fretting about what others have and you don't. But if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, then you ought to be most concerned. You ought to be most concerned because you haven't got much time left. Life is brief. You don't know when God's going to take your life, and you are not at this point prepared for him to take your life. And the only way to prepare for death is to turn from your sin. What sin? The sin of being the center of your own universe. The sin of being self-centered. And turn to Christ, trusting his death as your only hope for salvation from judgment. Why? Because Jesus Christ was judged in the place of sinners. Sinners like you. So that those who believe in him would never be judged. That's the good news of the gospel. Christ was judged so that if we believe in him, not just headwise, but trust him as the only way to heaven, we will never be condemned. We will never be judged because he was judged, condemned in our place. And to those of us who have already trusted Jesus as Savior, he tells us that we are never to, to forget his death. We are never to forget salvation. But we are regularly to gather together and to remember his death and to remember the cross by observing what the Bible calls the Lord's Supper. And that's what we're going to do right now. We have gathered to observe the Lord's Supper. This is for believers in Christ. If you're not a believer, just observe, just listen. This is a time, the Bible tells us, that we are to examine our hearts if we know Christ. We are not to come to the Lord's Supper, to his table, as it's sometimes called, with sin that we won't repent of. We all struggle with sin, but we are not to come to this table without examining our hearts, asking the Lord to show us anything that's wrong in our lives. Could be an attitude, could be the way we've treated people, could be some thoughts, could be actions. If there, if there are sin like that or sins of omission, you should have done something and you didn't, and you have not repented, you have not forsaken, you have not confessed it, then do that now. Confess that now. Because if you don't, the Bible makes it clear that God, if you're a believer, will deal with you in judgment. You're not going to be condemned with unbelievers because once you know Christ, you are eternally secure. However, God will deal in spanking you in his own way. It's his discipline until you repent. Look to the future. If you're a Christ follower and the prosperity of evil people is disturbing, look to the future. It won't always be this way. If you've never trusted Christ as your Savior and King, look to the future. If you don't let Jesus pay your sin debt before the day of reckoning, you'll have to pay it, and none of us can afford that. Thanks for tuning in today to Verse by Verse. Pastor Steve Kreloff is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Find out more about Lakeside at lakesidechapel.com. To learn more about Verse by Verse, go to versebyverseradio.org. Please feel free to take advantage of our free audio downloads on the Message Archive page. You can get today's broadcast or any of the hundreds of others with just a few mouse clicks. 
It's an easy way to get caught up if you've missed any programs in this series or want to help a friend get caught up. That's versebyverseradio.org. And if the Lord is speaking to you about helping to support this ministry, we have information on the giving page, including a link that makes it easy and safe to give online. If you've recently trusted Christ as your Savior, I hope you'll tell someone about that. You might even want to tell us. That would really make our day. You can call 727-441-1714, and someone would be happy to hear from you or answer any questions you might have about your faith. That's also the number to call if you'd like to request a free CD with this message in its original format without any breaks. It's 727-441-1714. I'm Jerry Peterson. Have you ever had unsaved friends congratulate you for handling a temptation with godly wisdom? Perhaps a co-worker of the opposite sex made some overt advances towards you, and you told them in no uncertain terms that you would always be faithful to your spouse, and you were not one bit interested in breaking your vows. Do you think witnesses to that would pat you on the back and put your story in the company newsletter? Not hardly. More likely, they would say things to you like, What's the matter with you? You turned down the most gorgeous woman in town, or the manliest hunk in the county, Are you nuts? Not going to happen, because when we resist temptation, we tell the ungodly that their whole world system is wrong, and no one likes to hear that. Join us next time on Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve Kreloff continues. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.